Hey, welcome NFL football fans. It's that time again, time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. We're in the offseason, but we're going to keep on rolling here. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production. And hey, we'll just bring you up to date on all of the uh, free agency, all of the changing that's going on here. But as you know, I do not work alone. I do enlist the help of the very, very best. So here he is from somewhere in an undisclosed location in beautiful Southern California, the man many of you already follow on Twitter, at Chris L. Sports. That's at C-H-R-I-S, the letter L, and then sports. A proud graduate of Rutgers University, none other than my main man, Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there? Charles, I can't believe it's been a month. It's great to be back, knocking off some of these cobwebs. Uh, feels like an eternity since the Eagles last won the Super Bowl, uh, and now it's been, what, the uh, quarterback shuffle and free agencies begun and everything else. But first and foremost, just want to get this off my chest. I know March Madness is here. I will spare you the details. I'm not going to give you my bracket picks, predictions, etc., because I know they won't be good, and this is a football show, but I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> All righty. Yeah, some good stuff. So, you know, this is a great time of year because we look at the whole thing of free agency where, as a GM, my salary cap burden, it turns out to be your missing piece to a Super Bowl puzzle. So, really, it's almost like trading the stock market. This is what it's like when the guys are in the pit on Wall Street trying to trade these different stocks. Because, remember, whenever you're selling a stock, it's because someone else is buying and vice versa. So, everybody's betting in different ways, and it's just – Crazy. I mean, the names of players that are just getting uh, traded, not many trades, but pretty much released and picked up. Richard Sherman gone from the from the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and he's now going to be with the 49ers. Niners won the last five games of their season. They seem to be loading up. Uh, Michael Bennett is actually gone from Seattle, too. He's gone to the Eagles, who seem like they are bound and determined to get a second Super Bowl ring in a row. As they also uh, sent Torrey Smith packing. But a lot of good stuff going on. And, you know, what's your take on all of the early stuff and also the monster contract of, uh, of QB Kirk Cousins? It's astounding. I mean, once Garoppolo got his money and Alex Smith went to the Redskins and he got his deal, you knew it was inevitable. Um, I'm really surprised, and we talked about this in pre-production, how Cousins only got three years. People <clears throat> seem to be surprised by that, but – I, I think the, the conventional wisdom is what has surprised me. Look at how much guaranteed money he's getting. I mean, what does it work out to be, $28 million per? Right. And it's, it's completely guaranteed. His contract is 100% guaranteed money. Exactly. So, I mean, everyone's like, oh, it was only three years, and why did he go to the Vikings? Well, guess what? That's all his money. There's no smoke and mirrors where a guy signs mm -hmm. a $60 million deal and maybe 25 of it's guaranteed. I mean, that's all his. The guy played his cards right. He got franchised two years in a row. Um, if you ask me, he's maybe an above-average quarterback, but I think as, as everyone learned, not only do you need a quality starting quarterback, in the case of the Eagles, you better have a darn good backup too, and you can win a Super Bowl. But I think teams realize if I am not the Cleveland Browns, the Giants, whoever's near the top of the draft, I have no shot at getting a franchise quarterback, and I'm going to have to pay market price to get one. And you even look still with Case Keenum hit payday going to Denver. I mean, a year ago, no one would even thought this guy would be a, a fill-in starter, never mind getting a, a contract coming off a nice year as, uh, with the Vikings. And then, How about Sam Bradford and, and Mike Lennon going to Arizona? Um, Bradford's got a, you know, questionable knee at best and i think he made what 15 million dollars to go be a quarterback there you know i used to say maybe i didn't want my son to 
play football, but you know, it, it could be rewarding if you're a left tackle or a quarterback in this league, right? Yeah, that's true. And speaking of left tackles, hey, we got to give it up to Joe Thomas, who is a great left tackle, played in relative obscurity because he was a left tackle for the Cleveland Browns. So he, the statistics show he protected the blind side of 20 different garbage quarterbacks while <laughs> playing in Cleveland. 11-year NFL career, 10 times a pro bowler, seven times all pro, two times second team all pro. So definitely a first ballot Hall of, Flame, Hall of Famer. I think played uh, 10,368 consecutive snaps, which I believe is the longest streak in history. And uh, hey, too bad he had to play it all in Cleveland. And in fact, right now it looks like Cleveland is – can you ever say that Cleveland is loading up? I mean, Josh Gordon, who's a question mark, but if he's healthy, Josh Gordon on one side, Jarvis Landry on the other. It looks like Cleveland might be ready to make some noise if Tyrod Taylor, their new quarterback, can actually get the ball down the field. Uh, and as usual, we're back to square one with the Browns. Do they have a quarterback? Uh, I do think they're interesting moves, and as you see, they're trying to get some guys that uh, are, are veterans as opposed to just doing it solely through the draft. But uh, really, the, the Taylor one and, and just how quickly they bailed on Kaiser. I mean, why why – give this party line that they thought he was an NFL ready quarterback. And then a year later, trade him away, which by the way, doesn't bode well for Brett Hundley's future. I take it in green Bay behind Rogers. But um, I, I think it's still interesting. Even with Taylor, does that mean the Browns are not necessarily going to take a quarterback? I don't know. I mean, they're throwing smoke signals out there that they want Barkley. But if you ask me, Tyrod Taylor's, maybe a one-year fill-in, maybe he holds that seat for a rookie, or you know, in the case of they think he's a very serviceable backup, a la Jacoby Brissett with Andrew Luck, that sort of thing. But uh, I'll give the Browns credit. At least they're trying to shake it up. They're not doing the money ball approach and solely trying to stock draft picks. Now, well, if these moves pan out, remains to be seen. Uh, one thing back to Thomas. I mean, phenomenal career. Imagine if he played on a winning team or in a big market. <laughs> I mean, we'd be yeah. raving about this guy right now. But the one kind of takeaway I have from this is I'm wondering, I've, I've heard him on the radio. I know he's got a podcast. And I'm wondering if he's one of these dark horse candidates for the Monday Night Football Caller commentator job. Uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, that would be great if that happened for him because uh, no one could be more deserving. And definitely, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's going to be shocking if he doesn't get it on the first ballot. But, you know, going back, maybe the well, – we'll see what the Browns are going to do because – you know, are they gonna gonna go after Barkley with the with the uh, you know in the first couple of picks, or maybe they get Tyrod Taylor? How about sending Taylor, work a deal with the Eagles, send Taylor to the Eagles, and get Nick Foles to come to uh, get to get to come to Cleveland once uh, once they know that Carson Wentz is healthy and ready to start. Maybe they can work a deal like that. And now speaking of wide receiver threats, we got to go to the uh, AFC West where the Kansas City Chiefs. Now they got rid of Alex Smith. Uh, Mahomes is going to be their starting quarterback. They're going to have Tyreek Hill on one side, and now they got Sammy Watkins on the other. So dual threats down the field. Uh, it looks like maybe only Andy Reid can stop this offense. As we've said year upon year upon year previously, right? Um, yeah, you know, I, I got to say, tangentially related to that, I, I kind of like the offseason the Rams have had. Um, as a Giants fan, I want to thank them for trading Alec Ogletree. I get he doesn't fit into Wade, Wade Phillips 3-4, but they didn't franchise Watkins, and 
Honestly, he was kind of a feast or famine guy last year. Loads of talent, but I don't think you pay him 15 per. And then look what they did. They let Trumaine Johnson walk. The Jets overpay him, I believe, 15 million as well. And they mm -hmm. trade for two corners that really are probably two of the best, I think, in, in the NFL. Uh, I know everyone likes to talk about Richard Sherman, but they got Marcus Peters, a very controllable salary cap number, and Aqib Talib, who, you know, now that he's gotten away from Michael Tra Crabtree in the AFC West, uh, which is his nemesis, he won't have to start any fights, and maybe he can focus on playing football. But uh, very interesting year, and I know they traded uh, Quinn to Miami too, but I, I do think they made a good move letting Watkins walk. Will he do well in Kansas City? Potentially, but I'm kind of down on him. I really think he's underachieved and you look at what he did with the Rams last year, he'd have some big games and disappear for weeks at a time. Well, Watkins to me though, I watched him when he was in Buffalo. Yes, folks, I do watch Buffalo Bills games. <laughs> I do. It's my secret shame. But I watched Watkins when he was in Buffalo. I mean, the guy has a great catch radius. He's uh, you know, he's he's strong and get open, but for some reason he just never got on the same page with Jared Goff and that Rams offense. So it's kind of one of those, he had a down year, but I think he still has just as much talent as when he went to the Rams. So if he can fit in there in Kansas City and they can stretch the field the way that they really want to, you know, I, I think he's, it's one of those things where he could be really kind of a found gold type of a thing. Yeah, I mean, from, from a Kansas City perspective, while me personally wouldn't pay that kind of money, I'll put it to you this way. I'd rather have him than Jarvis Landry, I think is far more overrated. <laughs> yep, and Jarvis Landry, you know, we'll, we'll see. Jarvis Landry, to me, he's kind of a, well, he's the Mike Wallace type of receiver where you always think, oh, my goodness, if he ever actually starts catching the ball, what are we going to do? You know, so, <laughs> and, and, and you know, someone like Mike Wallace, I mentioned him because I understand he's one who's supposed to stretch the defense. So when you watch Mike Wallace play, yeah, he may scare you four or five times a game, but what does he actually do and what are the numbers and what are the overall impact he has on the team? I think is not nearly, uh, you know, he's just paid on a potential his whole career. So we'll see what Landry does. But I think one other thing that's interesting is just the uh, slow and methodic dismantling of the Legion of Boom there in uh, Seattle. And when you look at it, not just when you look at, uh, look at Marshawn Lynch, leaving, having left a season ago, and now it's like very slowly in the, mo the more outspoken players who are leaving the team. So Michael Bennett is gone, you know, Richard Sherman is gone. So it seems like the kind of over undergoing a personality makeover. Daryl Bevel is finally gone. I would have fired him right after Super Bowl 49, but, you know, that's just me. Hmm. But anyway, yeah, things are going on over there in, uh, in Seattle. Also, Jimmy Graham, I guess, is – Jimmy Graham is going to be gone now, too. Oh, even though he was a late addition, supposed to be that kind of over-the-top receiver, big tight end type, but he never really fit in there either. That just happens sometimes. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with what you said, whether these are guys who are outspoken or maybe we don't know. You know, we had heard there are factions within that locker room and some strife uh, directed at Russell Wilson. And let's face it, at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a dollars and cents game, and Richard Sherman was getting paid a tremendous amount of money. He's physically a cornerback in decline. You can't justify it. I mean, look, Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger with the Cardinals, gets cut today, a much younger guy, but you know, he's had knee issues, and this is just the way the business of the NFL has gone. But uh, I get what the Seahawks are doing. At some point, they need to retool and get younger. I'm guessing better now than later. Um, it's funny how the balance of power appears to have been shifting 
south to LA and San Francisco. But uh, you know, we we see what happened even with the Eagles. You can turn things around in a very quick time if you draft effectively and strategically allocate your your cap budget and free agent resources correctly. So we'll see. I mean, they've got they've got Wilson locked up, but a lot remains to be seen on the defensive side of the ball, which which was declining last year, frankly. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I won't tell Richard Sherman that that you said he was a cornerback in decline because uh, I don't want him to find your crib somewhere. And that's one of the reasons why I always say somewhere in an undisclosed location in Southern California. So if you see him uh, driving up there, I won't say which freeway, you know, might want to just stay inside. But <laughs> hey, you, you know what? I like the Eagles. What the Eagles did, though, Eagles getting Michael Bennett up front, and also they picked up Haloti Nata. I understand, you know, both of them are kind of in the twilight of their careers over 30, but with a team that strong needing to just load up for this year, if Nata and Bennett can be as strong as they were for just one season, it's going to be really hard to stop them from getting back to the Super Bowl again. Yeah, I mean, especially defensively, and the Eagles realize right. that's what you need to build on that side of the ball. I, I think the the bigger question remains is Wentz's health, and if he's not ready, is Foles a you know, 16, I'm not necessarily 16 game, but an every every game starter. I mean, we saw what he did in the postseason, but um, I, I want to see it in a bigger sample size. That said, look, you look at the NFC East and the way it's constructed, there's really – no good reason, barring injuries, for the Eagles not to be contenders to at least win that division, get one home game, and head to the playoffs. So everything after that's a crapshoot. But uh, I'll give them this much: they're they're not resting with the lineup they have now. They're tinkering with it, looking to make improvements. And uh, you know, um, I think you've got to be optimistic if you're an Eagles fan for sure. Yeah, that's true. And then we'll go ahead and another team in green there, the Jets. They're gonna <laughs> bank their future now on Teddy Bridgewater who was supposed to be the man in Minnesota. But, you know, Bridgewater, he's kind of a – he is a, kind of a weak-arm quarterback. He is. Uh, maybe you think the Jets are looking for the second coming of Chad Pennington there or what? Yeah, I, I think it's a short-term deal. I know they brought McCown back at $10 million, which, you know, it's another career-enhancing move. Backup quarterback will get you paid pretty well. But uh, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, maybe the Jets really are – looking to draft a quarterback, not rush him. I mean, I think I believe they sit at six right now. It's a lot of buzz about uh about the Wyoming quarterback, Allen. Not quite sure. Maybe Bridgewater is a plug in or a fill in, um, that sort of thing. But on top of that, never mind the arm. I mean the guy came off major knee surgery. Is he really going to be the same? Is he going to have the same range of mobility? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. But uh, at the end of the day, I guess if I'm going to take a bad need Minnesota ex Minnesota quarterback, I'd take Bridgewater over Sam Bradford. I'll give them that much. Well, I don't know. I remember my Miami Dolphins, they gambled on a bad-kneed uh, Minnesota quarterback and Dante Culpepper when they could have taken Drew Brees instead, who was uh, in, who's getting released by the Chargers. They gambled on a knee instead of a shoulder, and I remember how that turned out. I think we all do. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. And I think we're entering the era. When you, when you talk about a backup quarterback you know, getting $10 million a year, Maybe you'll have kids in school now who are playing football and say, what do you want to be? It's like, I want to go to the NFL and be a backup quarterback. <laughs> right? Why not? You know, if it doesn't if it doesn't work out, just look at Tim Tebow, then you could become a baseball player, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. So uh, what do you think? A little, uh, so we've given you a little recap of all the things going on. Also, Indomitong Sue got released by the uh, Dolphins when they could not find a trade partner. And why would they find a trade partner? Why would you trade for him when you can just let him hit free agency and then, 
you know, go ahead and pay him whatever that big money is because the Dolphins did kind of overpay him. I got to wonder what's going on, though, with my Dolphins with the – I mean, Sue getting released, then the trade of Jay Ajayi in the midseason last year for a fourth-round draft pick. Jarvis Landry's gone. And I got to wonder if this is – if it's make-or-break time for Adam Gase there in Miami. Also, they picked up Danny Amendola. He's going to be trying to work his magic there in uh, South Florida. But I think it's kind of turmoil, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Chip Kelly era in Philadelphia, even though with a lot less success. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And when I I first read these stories and Gase and the locker room issues and trying to clean house, having flashbacks going back a ways to Josh McDaniels in Denver, and by no means am I saying Adam Gase will pass on a future head coaching opportunity if uh, given the chance. But um, it's it's just odd to me. I I agree with you. He's got a really – really dug in on this and uh if, if they don't get the results i really can't see miami sticking with him but uh i get sue from a from a cap perspective and the fact that he's older and hasn't really justified that money but um trading landry and you know i mean really who are your receiving options amandola is a nice a nice receiver but he's not a number one or a number two more of a slot guy played well in that belichick slash mcdaniel system so uh Really going to be interesting. And, and look, Charles, we still haven't answered the bigger picture question in Miami. Who's the quarterback? <laughs> well, I think we got two guys who are down to their last year here. And I think uh, Adam Gase is one. It's got to, you got to get it done now or that's it. And also Tannehill, if he doesn't start at least 14 games this year, I'm ready to move on. I'll just let you know that. Me as the unofficial GM of the Miami Dolphins, I'm ready to move on from Tannehill if he can't start. 14 games this year. But then again, I compare it to the Chip Kelly era. Maybe it'll happen like that because we thought there was going to be a nuclear winter in Philadelphia after hmm. Chip Kelly left and left everything in disarray. And look at it. A couple of years later, they win the Super Bowl. So maybe that'll happen for the Dolphins. Yeah, that's a good thing about the NFL. There's always hope. You don't have to do like the NBA where you tank for six consecutive years and stockpile <laughs> draft picks. Things can turn around in a hurry. <laughs> Absolutely. So remember, everybody, show us NFL football talk. I'm Charles E. Smith Jr. That man over there is Chris Lardieri. Follow me on Twitter at The Inside Sports. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L. Sports. That's at C H R I S, the letter L, and then sports. So, Chris, uh, before we get out of here, uh, you have some final words of wisdom for everybody? I do. T- it's you know lost in the midst of money. Well, I hope Drew can live off of that money. Nothing against him, but I'm more attacking the journalist, uh, I mean, or in quotes per se, that wrote that. But I mean, you got to give the guy credit. He wants to try and win. He likes the system. He likes playing for Sean Payton. I don't see what's so appalling about it. And then too, this kind of kicked off the whole free agency thing. The Jaguars surveyed the market and said, you know what? The devil you know is the better than the devil you don't know. And they restructured Blake Bortles deal. So I don't know if Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone really think he can get the job done, but this is really could be a Super Bowl contender and they've still got Blake Bortles at quarterback. Not sure what to read into it, but for whatever they're paying him, it's a lot cheaper than than Cousins and company. And and then finally too, for all you football fans out there, uh, before we have our next podcast, Stop looking at mock drafts. Don't believe everything you read. I have people come up to me, what are the Giants going to do? I have no idea. There's so much smoke mirrors and disarray and trying to shop the pick. Are they not? I've just, at this point, I've given up and I'm just waiting for Goodell to go into Dallas, get booed by the fans after his latest run in with Jerry Jones and announce the first pick for Cleveland. (laughs) 
Yeah, there we go. And uh, also one thing I want to say is, uh, you know, a lot of with the players who were kneeling in protest last year because of the everything that that uh, Colin Kaepernick had done during the final months of Obama being in office when Ka Kaepernick thought that the countries were in so much turmoil that he was going to kneel in protest. But here you have all these players who are talking about kneeling and how much they really care about society and want to make a change. But here the season is over. How many of them are actually doing anything? So I think when it comes down to it, it's a lot easier to just kneel for two minutes when you're at work, which is what they are is at work, while a TV camera is on you and act like you're an activist than it is to truly hands-on, be proactive and do something. So as I said before, the whole thing of the players kneeling is just like when everybody changes their Facebook profile pic to support uh, the people who are victims of some kind of tragedy. It's all just a whole lot of nothing. They say that they were activists, they want to affect change, and then what happens as soon as the season's over, you know, they're off to wherever, Tahiti, hot tub, strippers, and everything else. And that's that. Hey, that's what it comes down to. Hey, prove me wrong, boys. If I'm wrong, go ahead and prove me wrong. Well, I, I believe there's one. Didn't Chris Long donate his entire season salary? I mean, he put his money where his mouth is. We gotta. Oh, there's a couple. Hit. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple. But oh, by and large, overall, yeah, not a whole lot. Yeah, so I, I've got to give it to him. I mean, I know he's probably made money in the past, but come on. I mean, a, a, a year's salary, uh, you know, even if he's getting paid a few million dollars, that, that's a lot of money. I mean, I got to. I got to give him credit for that. But that's the thing. The guys who do do it aren't looking for, for notoriety. So they fly below the radar, kind of like society in general. You know, you know how it is, Charles. The Kardashians of the world get all our love and attention and publicity. And then there are plenty of people out there doing good in the trenches that go unnoticed. Yeah, that's true. And I would like to uh, finally I thank Roger Goodell for one of the things that we have mentioned on this show was I had said if the players were kneeling, I would have made them all write 500 words on why they're kneeling. And then just a couple of months ago, Goodell announces that he's actually going to have the players. There's going to be a forum set up where they can actually uh, put up their, their thoughts and feelings and all that kind of stuff on society and what needs to make it better, which is something that I'd suggest they do in the, in the middle of the season. Because if you're going to create unity, people need to have understanding. Understanding is the only way to actually create unity, not just get up on a soapbox, scream and yell and say you're either for me or against me. Understand how I feel. I understand how you feel. And that's how we actually get somewhere. Yeah, the proverbial we agree to disagree. What happened to that? <laughs> All right, everybody. Remember the show is NFL Football Talk. It's Inside Sports Production, and well, we'll give you another update probably as the draft draws nigh or maybe in the wake of the draft. We'll see what's happening. I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr., and for Mr. Chris Lardieri, we'll see everybody next time. Thank you for watching. That's right. You heard the whistle, and it's that time again. That time to talk some football because, well, at this time, I don't really 
want to talk about NCAA basketball. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Virginia. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks, Virginia. Exactly. And, and Arizona too, uh, you know, need I forget yeah. them. Yeah, but again, again, it's a, it's a great time for football for all of us who uh-huh. have had blown up brackets because it is NFL free agency. It's going hot and heavy, wild everywhere. Players are going from uh, this team to that team with such abandon. But we want to break down the winners and losers of NFL free agency. And there's no one better to break it down with us than the man behind the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. When it comes back on the airwaves, you got to check it out on Apple Podcasts and so many other outlets. It's my good friend. It is Tyler Baker. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Uh, NCAA aside, how you doing? Uh, I'm still, I'm still feeling it. I'm feeling it, man. As I said on my own personal Facebook, that sound you heard, uh, as far as it sounded like an explosion in the distance, that was my bracket blowing up on Thursday and Friday. So I think that was a collective boom. A lot of brackets were blown up this weekend. It's March Madness in the NCAA. It's been March Madness in the NFL too. The start of the new league year, which means Guys that are free agents are officially free agents and free to sign with basically the highest bidder, unless you're Drew Brees. And there were some winners, there were some losers, but I think it was just a lot of guys switching teams. It seemed like there was just a lot of just moving pieces, teams wanting to make changes, but very few t- teams, I think, so far in free agency have, have made huge moves. It seems like just a lot of juggling. Just a lot of juggling, a lot of lateral movement back and forth, but no one seemingly on the surface getting that much better. In fact, we'll start with the marquee names as far Mm -hmm. as free agency out there, as far as the position that everybody seems to talk about and the one that seems to pay out the most money, and that's the quarterback position. I know someone that was near and dear to your heart, Kirk Cousins, Mm -hmm. was commanding a huge salary bigger than anything out and and talking about five years. Now, he ultimately didn't get that, but a change in scenery to a quality playoff team like the Minnesota Vikings might pay off for them down the road. Absolutely. And Kirk Cousins got a contract that you just don't see. It's fully guaranteed. You don't see fully guaranteed contracts to any player at any positions. Kirk Cousins, that's what he wanted. That's what he got. But he got less years for it. I think that was the trade-off. Yeah, yeah. But now he's playing with a Minnesota team that was really good last year. And I think they're going to be really good again this year. They got uh, Kirk Cousins. They also got Trevor Seaman kind of to back him up. But that team, you're talking about great, great offensive weapons. Dalvin Cook, I think, is is a phenomenal athlete. A couple really good receivers there. Minnesota's going to be very very tough to beat. I think you have to count them in the winning column. Another team that I think got better is the Philadelphia Eagles. They stacked up on the defensive line. That was already a really good defense on a Super Bowl winning team. They look like they are just, they're, they're going to be a handful to any team in the NFC East. They're going to be an absolute handful with that defensive line. I think 
the San Francisco 49ers. Now they picked up Jerick McKinnon. And I think that's a very, very good fit for that Kyle Shanahan offense. Uh, I would put them in the winning category. But as far as fantasy purposes, it's difficult to really draw too many conclusions right now. We still have the NFL draft coming up. And depending on what teams do in the draft is really going to affect fantasy value. So, so I don't want to you know, really look at any of these teams and say, hey, for fantasy purposes, you know, this is a good fit because these teams are not complete for the 2018 season yet. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. When it comes back on the air, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to catch it each and every week. And as a fantasy football player out there, it's definitely a must. It's going to be available on Apple Podcasts and so many other different audio outlets. Tyler, I got to ask you, Are there any other teams that stick out to you? Because I can have mentioned one being the Miami Dolphins. I don't think they have fared so well in free agency. I don't think the trades that they made, giving up Jarvis Landry, even though it was for really, really a nice amount from the the Cleveland Browns, Mm -hmm. I still think that uh, you should have held on to a top-notch receiver like that. And I I just don't think they've been able to – make quite of an impact in free agency that they've wanted to. Is there any other one else that sticks out in your mind as far as team or teams that really just haven't fared so well in this past off season? Nothing out of the Dallas Cowboys. They haven't done anything. Uh, there's a couple of teams that have been kind of quiet. The Pats, they let go of um, Deion Lewis and replaced him with Jeremy Hill. <laughs> huh? They lost Malcolm Butler. So arguably some of their best players have uh, moved on. I think the uh, New York Giants are, they're in a rebuilding phase, but they still want to try to win with Eli Manning. They went out and uh, solidified the running back position with Jonathan Stewart, but that's a team that, where are they going? Are they going to go ahead and bite the bullet and rebuild now? Are they going to, you know, try to take advantage of what remaining years Eli Manning has? I don't know. We'll see. Oakland making some interesting moves. We don't know what the Raiders are going to look like. John Gruden coming back into coaching, who knows, but they signed Jordy Nelson and Doug Martin. I like Jordy Nelson four or five years ago. I like Doug Martin four or five years ago. Not really sure what they're doing there in Oakland. We'll see. So if I had to put the finger on another one, I would probably say, in my opinion, the most, the most intriguing franchise right now has got to be Cleveland. Getting Tyrod Taylor, Carlos Hyde, and Jarvis Landry, they have the number one and the number four pick in the draft. They have a ton of money. If they're going, they are absolutely poised to completely turn this franchise around. I hope that they take advantage of it because they have a golden opportunity. That's true. And they they traded those, like I said earlier, draft choices to Miami for Jarvis Landry, but they still got a treasure trove full of of substantial amount of more of draft choices and high quality draft choices at that plus like you said the number one and number four picks in the first round plus they get tyrod taylor who both you and i thought was a very very solid quarterback could make the cleveland browns very competitive right away absolutely and whether they see him as a long-term solution which i don't think that they do what better stopgap player would you want than Tyrod Taylor, especially the way he played under the pressure that he played last season where they were benching him and they kind of disrespected him. And then 
made him go out and start again, and he handled it like a pro. He's not going to put the team on his shoulders and take him to the next level, but he could be a very important piece to getting this franchise to the next level. I agree. I agree indeed. Those are some great sound words there from my good friend. It is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. One last question before we go, my friend, before Mm -hmm. we head on out. When it gets back going as far as fantasy football is concerned, why do people need to tune in to your show, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast? It's quick, concise. I make it that way because I want people to just get the information and make their own decisions. I'm not going to tell anyone what to do with their team, but being informed and making informed decisions is the way to win at fantasy football. And what I do is I spend a lot of time looking over articles, watching game film, seeing what these beat writers are saying. And it takes experience to filter through what is just lip service, echo chamber stuff, and really getting down to what are the best decisions to make for your fantasy football team. And we also have a Facebook group. You can go on Facebook and type in fantasy football, Pater podcast. That Facebook group is a great way to uh, ask questions. I'll post articles up occasionally. And of course you can check me out on the pop culture cosmos. That you can indeed, because not only are you here to talk fantasy football, but from time to time you show up and talk a lot about pop culture. I know. I love the show, man. I love being a part of it. And hey, how about Black Panther? We were talking about how that could hit the billion dollar mark, and it is phenomenal. That movie is on fire. It is. It is. Fifth week in a row, it is domestically the number one movie in America. It is truly doing well. It is now well over $1.1 billion at the box office. And you know, well above wow. what even I thought. I thought it would max out at nine hundred million at the at the most. And I'm pleasantly pleasantly surprised at its continued success. And I'll tell you what, I already got my tickets, man. Avengers, <laughs> Avengers, War. yeah, oh, yeah. It'll it'll help with the sting from losing <laughs> Virginia. Virginia. Thanks a lot. Oh man, <laughs> I know. And it's March Madness. Not only in the NCAA, but also as well the NFL. Oh, yeah. And I'm so glad you got a chance to talk to me about all the great things going on in NFL free agency. Tyler, it's been so great again to having you on the show. And as always, being a part of the pop culture cosmos. Pop culture cosmos. Brink here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly.